Homeland Security extends H-2B visas to aid food supply. Colorado immigration attorney Jeff Joseph explains. I'm Lawrence Clitty, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. How are things going in Colorado? Things are okay. We are starting to get back to work and the new normal. So things are okay. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting the times we live in. It's, you know, states kind of opening up at different degrees. And uh, hopefully soon all of us will be safely back to our normal lives. So, uh, well, anyway, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Our our episode's about uh, the American food supply during this COVID-19 pandemic and how the Department of Homeland Security is acting through the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services to extend H-2B visas in order to meet the new needs of the uh, of the food supply uh, that we have going in our country here. But, uh, you know, before we get to that, I think it would be helpful, Jeff, if you could tell us about the work that you all do at your law firm, Joseph and Hall, as well as your involvement with the American Lawyers Immigration Association. I'd be happy to. So our firm here at Joseph and Hall is a full service practice, which means that we engage in all the different aspects of immigration from asylum to citizenship, family immigration, individual immigration, My personal practice focuses on corporate immigration and on federal litigation. So that's what I'm particularly involved with, but our our firm does everything. We're also all members of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, which is the nation's leading association uh, with regard to immigration issues. So it's a bar association for immigration lawyers, consisting of about 15,000 members around the country. It's involved in liaison with the agency's uh, advocacy with the government, litigation, as well as education of uh, immigration lawyers around the country. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jeff, if you can help me with this next part. So the Department of Homeland Security is offering this extension through the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. So I think, could you explain the relationship between those two organizations as a starting off point here? Absolutely. So Prior to September 11th, the uh, immigration services were broken down between the benefits granting function, which was done by INS, and the deportation function, which was also done by INS. So you had the same agency granting benefits and taking them away. After September 11th, a new agency was created called the Department of Homeland Security, and the benefits functions were separated out from the enforcement functions. So now we have USCIS, which is the benefits granting agency, the agency that grants things like H-2 status. And then you have Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is in charge of enforcing the law and deporting people from the country. So in this case, the Department of Homeland Security is the umbrella agency that is uh, dealing with H-2Bs through the benefits granting arm of the USCIS. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. That sort of helps uh, set the table for for the players. So next step, if you could help summarize this, and I love the verbiage they use, this temporary final rule announced by Homeland Security, which extends the H-2B visa. How does it affect the H-2B visas? And then just kind of give us the general uh, synopsis there, and we'll get into the details later. Sure. So there's an understanding in the government that uh, H-2B workers are critical to the food supply chain. And so, you know, given what we're seeing with the situation of novel COVID-19, the food supply chain remains critical as part of an infrastructure to the government, to the American people. And so we want to make sure that anything we do with regard to visa programs doesn't hamper our ability to provide safe food on the tables of Americans. 
And so what this proposal has done is it's, it's followed up on a separate proposal that came out in April applied to H2A visas, and this one applies to H2B visas. Just to give you some context there, the H2A visa is specifically for seasonal agricultural jobs, whereas the H2B visa is for other types of jobs, non-agricultural jobs that are temporary jobs in nature. So those jobs can be seasonal, peak load, one-time occurrence, or intermittent, but they're non-agricultural, right? So, and the reason that that becomes important is because not all food production is agricultural in nature. So for example, food packing, food transportation, food logistics is not an agricultural job, so it wouldn't qualify for the H-2A visa. So that's why you need expansions in the H-2B as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so Jeff, one of the things that came out while I was reading this notification about the extension happens to do with immigration. And so as you're aware right now, the country, uh, in terms of U.S. workers, 36 million plus have filed for unemployment. And so a, a related quote came out of this from the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services Deputy Director for Policy. His name is Joseph Edlow. And he said this, Jeff, he said, importantly, these measures protect U.S. workers by not adding supplemental H-2B visas during the national emergency. So what exactly does that mean? Well, that's correct. So every year, there are only 66,000 H-2B visas available for the whole year. And those visas are actually broken down by season. So you have the spring-summer season and you have the fall-winter season. And that means that you have essentially 33,000 workers in, in the country in each of those seasons. And uh, what this bill does is it doesn't increase the number of visas. It doesn't allow new workers to come into the country, but anyone who's here in the United States in the food industry can extend their status or can apply immediately to work with an employer in the food industry just by filing the application. So what they're trying to prevent is situations where one farm lays off workers and another farm needs workers, and there's no way to kind of connect those workers. So it's, it allows workers to be portable from one area to another without having to go through re-advertising, reapplying for the petition. It allows them to start working the minute the petition is filed. Okay. And then just in terms of that timeline, as it applies to the non-immigrant worker who is already located within the country, what, what, uh, what is the time extension there? So how much longer are they allowed to stay in the United States working? That depends on the season. So theoretically, these kind of jobs are for, for jobs that are temporary, meaning less than one year. Okay. And so normally when you have HDB workers, they come in for some period during the year and then they go home and then they come back the next year for the season. And you're allowed to do that as an H2B worker for up to three years. Once you've been in the country for a full three years, you have to leave the United States for a period of 90 days before you can come back in on a new H2B visa. What this bill does is it, first of all, allows people to remain in the United States beyond the three-year statutory maximum without having to go home for 90 days. The second thing it does is it allows them to remain in the country potentially past the growing season. So for example, if you had an H2B petition that was previously approved for a certain season and they have a new employer and that season may be longer, then it allows them to move to a new employer for the remainder of that season without having to lose any of their H2B status. 
and Jeff, you were you get into this a little bit earlier, but uh, in terms of both the employer and the non-immigrant worker, what are the requirements that they need to meet in order to participate in this extension? So the first and most important thing to understand about the H2B and the H2A is that there are no, there's normally a lot of oversight and regulation by the government of this program. There's actually three different government agencies involved in the H2B program. The first step of an H2B is done through the Department of Labor, and that's by filling out what's called a labor condition application. So the employer has to attest to the Department of Labor that the employer has done a test of the labor market, advertised for the job, that there haven't been any layoffs or strikes in that particular job at the, at the, at the work site, and that the employer is going to pay the employee, the worker, what's called the prevailing wage, which is essentially the median wage for all workers in that metro statistical area for that particular job. So the employer has to make all of these attestations under penalty of perjury and send all of that documentation to the Department of Labor before the employer can even file to get the H-2B worker. Then the second stage is once the employer has gone through that labor certification and gotten a certification from the Department of Labor, then the employer files what's called an I-129 with USCIS to actually get the H-2B worker. And then the third step is once that's approved, the worker goes to the consulate and goes through vetting to come into the country. So there's a lot of oversight, a lot of regulation. What this bill does is it basically says, look, you have employers, employees who are in the country who have already been certified. You already have an LCA and you already have an approved petition for a different worker. So what we're going to allow you to do is use that certification that's already been done uh, and proven to be a shortage and use that certification for a new H-2B worker. And that H-2B worker can start working on you just by filing that new I-129 with the, with the temporary labor certification. So it allows a lot of what's called portability for employers to move from one employer to a next without having to wait the time for an approval from USCIS. All right, Jeff. So this is my last question. It's really more of a follow-up. So getting back to the 36 million unemployed U.S. workers out there right now, a good number of them happen to work in the restaurant industry. And so restaurant industry obviously related to the food industry. And so my question has to do with the H-2B employers out there. And so with so many restaurant workers out there unemployed, do you think those H-2B employers are going to have difficulty demonstrating need and non-impact that they need to show in order to move forward with some of these H-2B worker hires? Yeah, so I think it's it's an interesting question, but remember, you have to go back to the fundamentals of the H-2B, which is that it is not for year-round jobs. You cannot gotcha. use an H-2B to replace a year-round worker. So when we're talking about the restaurant industry, 90% of the jobs in the restaurant industry are actually year-round, 365 days a, a year job, and wouldn't qualify for H-2B. So there are some jobs in, in the restaurant industry, in for example, in resorts that are seasonal, where you definitely could get H-2B workers, but you'd have to demonstrate that those restaurants are only open for a certain peak load period during the year. So for the most part, when you're talking about replacing American workers, you have to think about the industry that you're, you're targeting here. And most of, most of the jobs that we're talking about in the food supply chain that are temporary are meatpacking, processing, manufacturing, transporting, those kind of things. They don't really involve the other kinds of jobs that U.S. workers fill, which tend to be year-round full-time jobs. 
Thanks, Jeff, for clearing that up. And uh, also, thank you for joining us today. And so, you know, if our listeners, they have questions, uh, you know, about this program or how they can participate, how can they find you? You can go to my website, which is immigrationissues.com. There's not a lot of us around the country that actually do this kind of work. So, you know, if you have questions about the HTB program, you can always call me or you can reach out to the American Immigration Lawyers Association and they can put you in touch with, with lawyers who specialize in this type of work. Excellent. Excellent. And thank you also listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, for more information, we'll cite our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Clitty. Stay strong, everybody. Thank you.